0: You're listening to the Duplication Nation MLM Podcast. Leaders live here.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Duplication Nation MLM Podcast. Got an intriguing uh, episode this week. And it is the lovely and talented Heine Lokier joining me live and in color for you people on the YouTube channel. Uh, And Jaime has a new book, which just came out. Uh, The closest English translation, I would think, is Birthing Leaders or Birthing a Leader. Um, But it's, uh, you know, I, I love the whole premise of the book. The themes that he works weeks through, I just think this is going to be another really powerful book for people in the leverage sales, direct selling, network marketing space. So I thought let's do a special episode of the podcast just on this subject of birthing leaders. So uh, welcome to the show. Great to have you back, my friend.
0: Thanks. It's an honor to be here with you. And just let know your audience that it's not yet in English. So if they want to read the book, they need to wait a couple months. But if they have Spanish-speaking people, then yes, they could use it as a tool to help their team understand what it takes to be a leader.
1: Yeah. So for context, anybody watching this later, we're recording this in January 2024, So, a couple months later, but like particularly to my friends in the United States, you got to jump on this. Every client, every company I'm working with, I'm telling them, What are you doing to grow the Spanish market in the United States? It's the sexiest, biggest, fastest growing, delicious market in America. And you got to be going with it. So, for Oh, and, you know, you could make the case in many other countries as well that uh, where there is a growing Spanish population. And so this book, you want to get it down in your team. Uh, So starting off, I was uh, what I thought would be intriguing is how did a chubby little Jewish guy. Growing up in Mexico. Which is a ocean of Catholics grow up to be a uh, muy guapo, suave Latino leader uh, working with companies all over the world. How did that? <laughs> how did that come about?
0: <laughs> yeah, people don't know how I was that chubby Jewish uh, guy. With no self, uh, 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 self esteem, no yeah. self esteem at all. Uh, yeah, but turns out that I, I was part of some very special movements that uh, they there are on Jewish communities all around the world that are like Boy Scouts, in in the sense that you have a young a, a men and women teaching values to kids, but the values are different than those from the Boy Scouts, just the model. It's similar. And, and it's nonprofit. It's nonprofit movements that teach you leadership, because the only way you can ask young people to bring their time and passion and work with kids every weekend, instead of going to the shopping mall is through leadership. So, Later, I understood that in any nonprofit organization, because you don't have money to pay the people, you need to learn how to lead. And and so we used to have many amazing trainings on leadership. I studied leadership since I was 14 years old. I traveled with help of the organization. I didn't have the money, but the organization helped me to travel to Israel to study one year, uh, like one year diploma on leadership. Uh, so, So I study about leadership a lot since I was 14 years old, but I always used it in nonprofits. And I worked for nonprofits all my life before I discovered network marketing. And the moment I discovered network marketing, I saw the biggest opportunity to capitalize on all the leadership skills i already developed this was my opportunity to earn money from everything i studied before and that changed my life bringing true leadership to create a movement inside of network marketing it changed everything for me
1: so to tell people the name of that organization the nonprofit there
0: are many with different names, but they are called Tnuah, which in Hebrew means movement.
1: So let's talk about this movement for a bit, because uh, most of the people watching or listening hopefully know your last book was called Leaders Die, Movements Don't. And I feel it's just required reading for any leader in our space Because of and and like you, I attribute much of my success to working in nonprofits where you have that all volunteer army. Because, of course, I I had lied about my age to get a job in a restaurant because I wanted to be a waiter. So when I was 16, I said I was 19 because they served alcohol and you had to be over 18. Well, so I worked really hard. So i got promoted. So I was running, I was a restaurant manager at 17 years old and I had the leadership skills of a rock. So it's basically you tell the dishwasher, he's got to work Friday night. He says, no, he's not going to work because he wants to go to a concert that night. And you say, well, if you don't come in, you're fired. And that's, was my leadership style. And, um, I, I, I learned a little, you know, you go through enough, the restaurant business has a 200% annual turnover rate. So you kind of learn some, but it really was, there was a break in my career where I was out of the business as a distributor for a while. And that kind of coincided with becoming the president of my church board, becoming the vice president of the Viper club, becoming president of the chamber of commerce, um, working on some other nonprofit boards, film festivals, operas, things. And that was instrumental. Um, And some of them like the opera or the film festival, you wouldn't call them a movement, but there is a, a common purpose, a shared vision that is similar to a movement and but your book really breaks that down in such granular thing can you talk about that a little bit
0: yeah i i think that every time you get a, a, an amazing idea that makes people passionate about about it and and they feel so strongly committed with that idea that they need to defend it and they are willing to put their time and their effort uh, I think you are creating a movement, actually. Even if we don't call it that, we are creating a movement which is uh, something that moves the way that the things work now and moves people and moves the status quo. I don't know if that word is that used is in cold, in English.
1: In English, yeah,
0: right. So uh, in this case, for example, uh, I, I don't know anything about opera. But, for example, I, I'm a huge fan of soccer. And you have some clubs that really change the behavior of people. They they stop doing things on Sunday because they need to go to the stadium and, or they need to watch the, the their team. And they use the jerseys and they have these uh, gadgets with the logo of the team all the time. Uh, So you, you couldn't call that just a team. That's something bigger. And when you create something like that, it's viral. And that's why I think it's a movement because you get people sharing that message with more people who share that message with more people. And then you are not even present. You can be dead. And people are still sharing what you created, that message. And maybe... That message is not is no longer with your company. Uh, for example, we created an amazing movement in our uh, in my first company. It wasn't your first company; it was my first company. But that's where where we met. Uh, we created a huge movement, and the company is dead now. It's not long here with us. But yeah, the by message the way,
1: people should know that the reason that company is no longer here is because it got sold to some people who just basically raped all the money out of it and ran off. They were scammers. But the movement would still be going on today, that company we built.
0: And I think it still does in a sense because there are some people who are the number one distributor in another company who learned everything from you and they are still using the tools that you developed and they are still transmitting the messages and the values that you taught them. So it's not the same company and maybe you are not receiving any money for that, but the message is still going on. The message is still moving the world. And that has a huge value. If you look at it from the, leadership perspective?
1: Yeah, that's probably the thing I'm most proud of about my career. In in sports, we talk about the coaching tree, right? So Bill Parcells, had I think Bill Belichick first was his assistant, and then Bill Belichick has become the most winningest coach, and he's had his offensive coordinators become head coaches, and his defensive coordinators become head coaches, and so they talk about the Belichick tree, you know. And yeah, I look around the the industry of network marketing and the 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 leaders who have come from my team and what they're doing all over the world just anywhere in the world I can go and you know uh find somebody from the old band <laughs> so, and they
0: still use they still use the same phrases and the same uh, examples you know the yeah, the yeah. <laughs> the jungle example they still use it in their in their presentation so that's yeah. amazing yeah.
1: yeah so um how would you how would you distinguish this? What say you need to tell him the name? We'll put a link, of course, to the book in the show notes, but tell him the exact name in Espanol, and then tell us what is the what's the distinction of this book versus the earlier ones you've written.
0: Yeah, the exact name is nace un líder. Uh, which in English will be different because but that would be I have born a leader. It's a leader is
1: born. Okay.
0: Yeah. In English will be different because I have an amazing friend who gave me another idea uh, for translation, uh, and I won't go into details. But there is a name in English very similar, which is not the same that in Spanish wouldn't work. But in Spanish is nación leader, Is a leader is born, and. The subtitle is The Four Keys for People to Decide Following You or something like that. And the reason I wrote this is because when I wrote the previous one, which is uh, Leaders Die, Movements Don't, I, I teach people how to create a movement and how to create the culture that feeds that movement. But then many people contacted me saying, "I love your book, but I but people don't even listen to me. People don't don't care about what I have to say. so it's very difficult to do this. I'm not you. Uh, so then I went back to my beginnings and I remember that in this movement, this youth movement, uh, the first thing you, the first principle that they teach you, is that you are not the one who decides to lead. The team needs to decide to follow you. So if you don't manage a way to be... Um, to ha- How do you say this in English? To be I mean... the person that deserves to be followed, mm-hmm. then there's no strategy that will serve you because people won't listen to you. People won't follow the strategy. So first, the first step is you need to earn that trust, to earn that spot of leadership. And then you can learn how to lead. Uh, So this book is about that, how to earn that right to lead in the eyes and the heart of your people. And that could be, your team in network marketing, but could be your family. How many parents don't suffer because their kids never listen to them and they only listen to people in YouTube or to their friends? Uh, So any group you want to lead, you you need to learn how to earn this right. And that's the theme of the book.
1: And would it be correct to say uh, that this is a beginning guide to leadership or this would be like for a distributor who wants to become a leader exactly this
0: is for me is the first steps for learning how to lead and and for me there are four keys that you need to develop and they are they are skills so you can you you can develop them and, and those four skills, the more you develop them, the more that people want to follow you. And that in our business, that's uh, huge because when you develop this, more people want to be in your team and more people want to work when they are part of your team. And when you tell your team, we need to go to that event, they actually go. Uh, so I think is the basis for that, for being a leader
1: yeah i coaching with some people that um have higher ranks pretty good incomes but they haven't become leaders yet and they don't have the followers and they'll you know we'll do something where let's say put your key people in a zoom room And let's give him some guidance on this. And he can't get him in the Zoom room. You know, four people show up, six people show up because they, he hasn't made that connection. He doesn't have, he's somehow, he's kind of a grinder. This is two people I think of that I've coached recently and one in particular, really a grinder. And he's just spinning all these plates to keep his income up there and maintain this rank, which looks really good on the surface, but he doesn't have that buy-in from the team. And there's, you know, that's kind of a problem for a lot of people in our space.
0: And it's dangerous because if, if some, something happens to them and they can't work at that pace anymore all their structure will fall to the ground. So yes, it's, I think the big difference between those people who actually build something long-term in our profession, the big difference is they are great leaders and because of that, they develop great leaders uh, below them.
1: After your... um time with that organization as a child, growing up, getting in the work world, building your career, who or what were your big leadership influences for you personally?
0: Well, after that, now on on network marketing and, uh, and all these new stages of my life, uh, I, I had many amazing mentors. I, I need to, to I, I wouldn't be fair if I don't mention all of them. Uh, but well, uh, you know, you know that I learned a lot uh, from people who were in our team. Uh, shy Samuel, for example, was someone amazing in my life. He he was uh, the first mentor I had uh, teaching me the basics, and and he's a computer guy, so everything is systemized for him. Yeah. So he was amazing teaching me all that, those uh, things. Uh, you know, you've been my biggest mentor uh, in in everything that involves uh, the big picture in network marketing. Um Daphne and Alberto and Yair Barlev, they were amazing mentors for me. And people who I didn't know, I was a huge Jim Ron fan. I mm-hmm. listened to everything he did. And uh, on up to this day, when I need a little Texas vibe in my blood, I I bring I bring his <laughs> old tapes. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. 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 He was, uh, really exceptional. It's been a lot of authors and speakers and coaches. And it's funny. I, I he would very disarming guy and he would never really take credit. This was all this. Everything he talked about was Mr. Pluff, whatever his name was. I don't know. You remember the guy's name he used to always talk about. But so it's like everything he learned was from this guy. But Jim was able to present it in such an extraordinary way that you just people were related to him. He was so charming, so disarming, very inspirational in such a low key way, you know. So you get knocked down. Do a push-up while you count. there. <laughs> I mean, come on. Are you serious? It was just, you know, he just had a way. So I, I, I was greatly influenced by him as well. The So one of the, the things that's a big concept in the book is primal trust. Can you share what the hell is that? What does it mean? How do you get it? What do you do with it? Uh, whatever.
0: Yeah, that's the main topic of the book, to be honest, uh, because <clears throat> my thesis here is that for people to actually follow you and actually listen to you, and by the way, are amazing studies. Uh, Daniel Goleman, he did amazing studies on leadership and behavior of people when the leader is present. And for example, People listen to the leader eight times more than anyone else in the room. When the leader starts speaking, everyone shuts down and and listens to what the leader is saying. And and, and, well, many things. So it's obvious that we have an emotional reaction to the leader. And that's something very difficult to uh, explain, but we all felt it. Sometime when someone speaks and everyone listens. Um, So that that feeling is what I call this primal trust, uh, which is the feeling that the person who's talking is someone you need to listen and you need to follow and you feel confident that following him will bring you to a better place. Uh, and I call it primal trust because it's the kind of trust that we feel for our parents when we burn, We're, when we are kids. It's the first kind of trust we feel in our lives when we follow them. And if they to- tell us that we need to do something, we do it. And then we grow old and we lose that unless they are good leaders. But... You know that almost the the
1: primal is instinctual when you're young, right?
0: Yes, but it's like wolves. They know there's a leader in the pack, and they know that if the leader goes south, they go south. If it, it goes north, they go north. They they feel this instinct of following him, and we have the same sensation when we are kids. When we are kids, we never question the idea of following our parents and listening to our parents. If someone else tells us something, we question that, even as as young kids, but not with our parents. That's something that we learn later, because this is something that is part of our instinct, to listen and to follow that figure, that leader of the a manada of the pack that leader of the pack so my thesis here that that's a fact that we have that is a fact now my thesis is that you can recreate that emotion in people and actually people are looking for that emotion their whole lives because when you have that you feel at peace that you are going on the right path, that you don't need to be worrying about the decisions. And this is something that only happens when you have a leader you actually trust. It's not about authority. You can have a boss and you hate that boss and you hate following that guy because you don't feel this trust we are talking about. Right. But all of us have people that we enjoy following and, and that we trust them and that we feel so, so much ease when they tell us what to do. And that's the kind of trust that we need if we want to actually lead a huge team. And I, I, I propose that there are four key ingredients to develop that kind of trust in the team. Uh, So the whole book is about that. Which are those four ingredients and how to develop them?
1: Just give us a list, the four things, just so we know the four key things.
0: The four key things are um, connection. You need to learn how to connect with the people heart to heart. Contribution, how much you bring to the table, how much value you add to the team. Mm. Capacity, They the team needs to feel that you are actually capable of bringing them to a better place.
1: What, what did character- you call it? Uh, what was that one? The third one? Capacity. Oh, capacity. Okay.
0: And then character, that they know that you have a strong character, that you will do the right thing for the team, even when it's tough.
1: Character? You mean you have to have character to be a leader? You can't just be a sleaze ball promoting some MLM crypto scam, and that doesn't make you a leader?
0: I I may reformulate my book <laughs> now that you mention it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so glad that was your fourth one. That you know, that we've got to talk more about that in our profession. It's a it, the other thing that jumps out at me as you talked about that and, and, you know, the the research with Goldman and like people times more listen, it's almost a hormonal thing or an energetic thing. I went to this uh, Christian Thielman's younger maestro conductor, amazing guy. I think he was leading the Berlin Philharmonic. But there was a special concert in Paris while I was there of opera singers. And so he was, he was just going to, he was conducting an orchestra with these special guest singers. At, it wasn't in the opera itself. It was in the Champs-Élysées theater. And it was the craziest setup because they had the audience out in the theater. They had the orchestra pit. I'm sorry it wasn't a pit they were on the stage because there was no orchestra pit and then they had brought these chairs for the singers to sit in and they were like the banquet chairs from the holiday inn that were just along the wall these are like the biggest chichila bartoli the biggest divas of opera work. and they had these cheap hotel meeting room chairs there And they were just like coming out and we're gonna sit down and wait till their songs came up. And so Tillman had the orchestra playing something and a couple of these divas walked out and the audience were like, wow, that's so, you know? And so they started clapping and Tillman didn't even turn around. He just went like that. He just, for you guys on the audio, he just flicked his hands out. And all of us were like, it started, and, and every, it's like 1,500 people in this theater just froze, like, oh, and sat on our hands, like, oh, that wasn't me. He just had that leadership, gravitas. And I saw it with 80,000 people, with Dan Marino, who was the iconic quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. And like I I was at a Dolphin game two weeks ago and they have big scoreboards now that say, please be quiet, offense at work. You know, when the home team has the ball, they want you to be quiet so that he can call the audibles. And of course, when the opponents are there, they want the crowd to scream so loud they can't hear anything. And, but I was at a game and they didn't do that back in those days. And just the crowd was going crazy. And Marino just went like waved his hand, like shut up. And 80,000 people shut up. You could hear a pin drop. It's just the, uh, you know, he, I remember they were also another time with him. He, he it was incredible. He, they were playing some team and they were losing really bad. They were down by like 30 points or something. And the other team kept in American football. We have a blitz where they're, it's called where they're running after the quarterback to sack him instead of keeping more guys back. They're just putting more guys up front and going to blitz the quarterback. And it was like on live TV. You caught it. They were, you know, Dolphins are down 30 and this team was blitzing them. And he walked over to the head coach and said, you're up by 30 points. Stop goddamn blitzing me. <laughs> and the guys, okay. And they did. <laughs> they just stopped blitzing because, this is Dan fucking Marino. <laughs> when Dan fucking Marino says "stop blitzing me," you stop blitzing him. There is some—I um, don't know—chemical, supernatural, spiritual gravitas. I don't know what element, but you can't hide that kind of leadership, right?
0: Exactly. That—that's exactly the kind of a, a primal feeling that I—that I talk about. The big question is if you can develop that or not. And um, I need to be completely honest. There is some level of that that you can't buy anywhere. Just like people born with some uh, musical talent or some mathematical talent that they can be Mozart, or they can be uh, Stephen Hawking. And, and that's something that no matter how much you try, you won't be them because you don't have the talent. And that happens with this leadership too. There's some kind of people that born with something that you can describe, which is this intelligence on, on how the other people feel. You know, just as people are very intelligent in math, these people are very intelligent in in how people feel. And that's what helps them connect in a very special way. Uh, And and well, that's something that if you were not born with that, you will never get to that level. But not every musician is Mozart. and, And you can have amazing musicians that are there because they learned and they put their ass where their intentions were and they studied music for many hours. And, and and that's the kind of musician you can be on leadership.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You may not be Mozart, but there are, you can be Johnny Lang or Justin Timberlake or, you know, there's just Ray Charles and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Right. So what, is the thing about leadership that's going to be most surprising to somebody who reads the book? You think what's going to shock them, or stun them, or surprise them and say, "Wait, man, I never would have saw that coming."
0: I don't know if there's something that they won't see coming. I I think that it are things that people don't think about, and when you read them, you say. Right. Right. I should have thought about it. Uh-huh. Uh, for, for example, there is a whole chapter about resources, about one of your uh, most important skills is the skill of getting resources, because you could be amazing with your vision and you could be amazing communicating with people, but there will be a time when you will need money for your movement, for keeping your movement alive. Or you will need more time to keep your movement alive, which is the most valuable resource, or you will need contacts. You will need people to join your movement to keep that going. And this romantic vision that if you only have a strong message, people will follow you and you will get everything done. I think that's bullshit. I think you need real-life resources to actually accomplish amazing stuff. Um, So that's the kind of real-world talk that I want people to read on the book.
1: So what's the thing in the book that's going to scare them the most? Or or they're going to hate you the most when they read Something they got to do <laughs> since you're giving them real, <laughs> since you're giving them hard truths, reality, like not the superficial bullshit. But here's something you need to know if you really want to lead a team.
0: Yeah, I I think the chapter about character uh, could make some people hate me, especially those who are doing the things that i think and i mention it in the book that i think are uh, based on cowardness and they, they are based on fear uh, and and some people will say oh shit, that's the kind of stuff that i'm doing and i recommended this book to everyone <laughs> and i'm doing this stuff with my team so maybe that's the kind of stuff that could bring me so some trouble.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Well, good. We need more books like that. What's uh? So in your career in network marketing, what did you learn from leaders in air quotes about what not to do to be a good leader? Because we all learn along the way and we learn from those who do it the right way. And if we're smart and savvy, we learn from those who do it the not right way. <laughs> Anything comes to mind when I ask that?
0: A lot. But I I must admit, it's not only that I learn from other leaders. I also learn from my own mistakes on, mm. on network marketing. Uh, Because I feel that network marketing is one of the very few professions in the world where you can jump in just one year from being a nobody that no one knows even in their family to being someone signing autographs and taking pictures with people as you were a celebrity. Yeah. it, it's it's really something that you can only accomplish if you are in music or in movies or in network marketing I, I, or, or football, for example, on, on yeah. sports. But it's not very common. So no one prepares you for that. It's not something that takes you 20 years to become famous. It's in one year that could happen to you. So the ego is something very dangerous there because you start feeling that you are more important than the rest of the team and that you can do whatever you want and nothing will happen to you. You are untouchable. You are someone that has the blessing directly from God so you can do whatever you want. And I had my own mistakes and I saw many mistakes on others. And I was very lucky because my mistakes were not so harmful to my team. And I I saw teams from people we both know that I won't mention names, but I saw teams of 20,000 people go to the ground and disappear in one year because someone slept with the wife of the, the wives, many wives of the team or uh, people earning 100,000 dollars a month and having more and more debt in their lives even when they were earning that mu- mu- that much money uh, things that i couldn't believe at the moment but i learned from them i learned that i need to value my team all the time i need to understand that I'm part of something much bigger than uh, than me. I I need to be very uh, grateful with my uplines and with my cross lines and always edify everyone. Uh, those kind of stuff are things that I learned could kill your team if you don't do them.
1: Yeah. By the way, you remember your eagles you got to see when you were here in my place, those four eagles. They have just taken up the neighborhood. They're still here. That was a couple of months ago. They're just and they go right here outside my office. They're hunting for food, I guess, over the water. I don't know, but there's it's amazing. They just it's a they, 12 so floor, close. right? Huh? Twelve floor? I'm actually 16th floor. 16th floor. And it's they're so close. Movie. That wingspan is so huge. It's so inspirational to watch them. It's amazing. Okay, well, I love you. I love this book. I love what this book is going to do for the profession. I hope everybody snatches it up. Any final thoughts you want to say to the people out there in MLM land particularly about the book and why they need to get it?
0: Yeah, and especially I want to tell people about the whole concept of leadership because we are in an in, in, in a profession that uh, speaks a lot about leadership, but devaluates the concept because everyone is a leader. And, and every time you introduce someone to come to the stage, it doesn't matter if they've been one week in the in the company you know and now we're going to bring to the stage an amazing leader so everyone is a great leader when we talk about them um, and and we need to be mindful that that's not actually true and we want to be leaders and we want to develop that skill but it's a it's a skill set and we need to work on that. And 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 it's more important than people know. And I know that for some, it's scary because becoming a leader implies that you need to take responsibility over the team and over the results of the team. And many people don't want that in their lives, but it's something that could change generations in your family if you actually do it because leaders are the ones that actually decide their lives they actually get to decide where they want to go and how much money they want to earn they get to decide what they want to build and what what's the legacy they want for their families uh so so it's something that maybe scares people But you need to work that. You need to to start practicing it. And and it will become easier and easier every time, just as any other skill. But you need to start that race.
1: All right, my friend. So grateful for you and the book. You guys watching, listening, you know, I hope, we've started now in 2024. We're putting up a new episode every Tuesday. So make sure you subscribe, let your team know about it, and be sure to be on the email newsletter at duplicationnation.com. Lots of, uh, we have a uh, issue comes out every Wednesday, just some great business building tips. So duplicationnation.com, check out the newsletter there. All right, my friend, um, much congratulations on the book. I know it's going to be a monster success. And uh, thanks for jumping back on again and hanging out. It's amazing.
0: It's an honor for me. So thank you very much, my friend.
1: All right, everybody. See you next episode. Love you all. Peace.
0: Thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe.